This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. We are back with part two of our Mick Foley three-parter. Last week was Cactus Jack. If you didn't go listen to that, what are you doing here? This is part two. Go listen to that one first. We'll be here. Part two is all about probably his most mainstream of gimmicks. Would you say that? Yeah, I definitely would. I would say it's the it's the one that made him the most popular. Agreed. We are looking at the career of mankind. What a weird gimmick this turns out to be. If you look at the start compared to where it ends up, this is maybe one of the weirdest gimmick evolutions of all time. I I don't even know what to describe the gimmick as. It's just he's just a weird guy. Is basically just the best way I could do it. Like he starts off as this crazy heel and then he just ends up being this crazy baby face. Yeah, and it's it's weird. We'll kind of dig into the what the appeal of the mankind character is. And the long and short of it is Mick Foley is too likable of a person to yeah. not cheer for eventually when you hear his story. Like it it's hard to cheer against a guy like that. I would say it's the dedication to the character that he had that really sold it. Like regardless of how entertaining he was, because god damn it, he was. Uh, regardless of how good he was in the ring, I mean, the guy put on so many classic matches in that time period under that gimmick, regardless of where he is on the heel babyface spectrum. Yeah. I think it's his commitment to truly being that deranged, crazy character yeah. that really made it so good. Because the the guy, I mean, we know who Mick Foley is as a man. And yeah. this is very clearly that guy just absolutely the most insane version of him yeah so let's let's talk about the mankind gimmick so in 96 uh jim ross had been persistent about trying to get foley into wwf because he had known him in wcw he was the one who was like we should get mick in here and instead because he had been an enhancement talent before in wwf this time they're like we're gonna bring you in with a real gimmick vince mcmahon did not like cactus jack did not like the gimmick and also wanted to cover up Foley's face. And instead of him getting the Christian blue dot treatment, uh, <laughs> he was allowed to have a couple different designs shown of a new heel character, a man with a leather mask and chains called Mason the Mutilator, which is peak new generation shitty name generator. Right? God, it's so bad. WWF decided that that was too dark and only left the mask. And Foley didn't like the name because Foley is a man of taste. So he came up with a new kind of gimmick, which was Mankind, which Vince apparently really liked. The Mankind gimmick is described as like a masochist. He was a miscreant. He lived in the 
boiler rooms of buildings. He squealed like a pig, which you hear in the first couple matches. Significantly. He would shriek mommy. He would talk to a rat named George. And he would pull hair out, which leads to a very important thing. His haircut for the beginning of the Mankind gimmick. Dedication. That's dedication to the bit because he has just shaved parts of his head in random. It looks like he has just been drafted to the NFL and they're doing some rookie hazing. It is the the inspiration for my name in this in this recording session. Yeah, right self haircuts are bad. They they sure are bad. And so he would he would pull at the hair and just act like a complete lunatic during like that's the best word for it. Yeah, during the I mean. Look, if you're pulling at your hair and, and, and quite literally ripping it out, because he actually does end up ripping out some hair at some point here. Yeah. It's the, like I said, the commitment to the character is absolutely insane. Well, um, here's, here's the commitment that I didn't know. Foley was so committed that when he first started the gimmick, he would legitimately sleep in the arena's boiler room before Raw. He would go to the arena and he would sleep wow. in the boiler room. And he said that it was to get him into the character. And eventually he could slip in and out of the character and that mindset a lot quicker. But like a method actor, he would go and sleep in the boiler room or he'd just stay under the ring. He, you know how people have to do that when they, ha- you know, Undertaker has done it a thousand times in his life. Yeah. You know, he would just go do it for fun. He'd just be hanging out with Hornswoggle in Little People's Court, just fucking vibing. This is some Christian Bale type shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He is the machinist. So l- let's talk about his first major feud let's talk about his first the first match we're going to look at when he debuted his first match was against bob sparkplug holly on tv it's pretty cool it was the night after wrestlemania 12 he debuted he beat sparkplug holly real quick and then went after immediately the undertaker and that's where our first match goes it is the boiler room brawl SummerSlam 1996 the rules of this match are weird as fuck i there are so many things about this match that are so peak wrestling in the 90s, it kind of hurts. Yeah. But I, like, the rules don't make any sense. I'm very happy that we didn't really get another one of these. Is there another Boiler Broom Brawl? I don't think so, at least not with these rules. I think before after that, words, it just became like a false count anywhere match in the Boiler Room. This rule, the rules here are you have to exit the Boiler Room. So you have to go into the boiler room and then exit it, go to the ring and be the first person to get the urn from Paul Bearer. Yeah, Weird. sure, man. I mean, it's very contingent on the story that's being told here. Clearly, it's very yeah. those two things are tied together. Um, but more than anything, I, the thing that I really like about this match, it's just fucking different, you know? And I'm all for different shit. Like I, I think NXT is coming up with this like like championship scramble thing at, at their yeah. pay per view coming the up. The Iron soon. Survival match. Yeah, like I think it's fucking stupid, but I like that it's new. And am I gonna watch it just because of that? Hell yeah! It's, it's so hard shit. to come up with new gimmicks for re- like for well for wrestlers too. Everything is a copy of a copy, but yeah. it's so hard to come up with new match types. Like match types are so hard to come up with. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's something new, and this was something new. I I love that this is the boiler room brawl. It's it's a it's a match between the two dark character, arguably the two darkest characters this 
companies had as you know two of the three i would say you throw kane in the mix obviously yeah at least this generation and then this is also like the precursor to the cinematic matches like the beginning yes. of this match it's very clearly a cinematic opening like it's undertaker walking up to the boiler room door and like hesitating a little bit and kind of being like yes. do i really want to go in here and they use the multiple camera angles and shit it's actually kind of cool to watch and this is purple glove taker this dude had shown basically no emotions. Like yeah, this he is, was this is Phantom of the Opera Taker. Like he is just coming out of his zombie phase. Like he yeah. is barely human in the eyes of wrestling fans at this point. It's it's really fun. Um Take Taker enters the boiler room. He cannot find mankind for a while. Mankind pops up behind him with a piece of eaves trough and hits him in the back. Just while screeching. The the squeals are so unsettling, I, and I could see it being one thing if it's in the in the ring and there's a bunch of people around and it's kind of like it goes with the rest of the sound, you know. When it's the boiler room and it's just quiet, there's no commentary. They like whisper like it's fucking golf. Yeah, commentary is like taking the day off with this one. Like, Jim Ross is basically just Jim Nance covering the Masters. You know, it's like, what are we doing here? Jim Nance here. Uh, the other weird thing, and this is the one thing I was thinking about, is in a ring, sometimes you can hear people call, call spots. Looking at you, John Cena, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't, they can't call anything because everything will be picked up. They cannot call a single thing in this match. They just have to kind of yeah. trust each other and know what they're doing. You know my favorite thing about the the screeching and the squealing and all that stuff that he 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 has going on is in this especially the boiler room is the most noticeable. The audio quality isn't great because they're down in a boiler room and it's 1996. Yeah. Um so like at occasional points it gets a little distorted when he's squealing and it kind of just sounds like Bobby Boucher going Yeah, that's actually Fair. That's a, that's a pretty accurate 90s reference. I like that. Uh, speaking of 90s references, I remember Mankind Squealing from playing the old WWF Warzone game. Jesus Christ. Because that's like the only sound he would make. He'd do that and he'd say, have a nice day. And You're by so the old. time by the time I played the game, because I only started watching in 99, right? And that game's from 98. By the time I started watching, Mankind was not like that at all. <laughs> and then... I got the game. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with mankind? Like, what? Is he okay? Why does he sound like a piggy? Um, at one point, Taker tosses mankind into the wall, uh, absolutely wrecks him with a garbage lid. And yeah. then mankind uses this, like, wood table, like, work table type thing, uh, and, like, stuns Taker onto it. Um. At one point, Mankind gets a trash can. It's full of shit. Not like actual trash, just like supplies that they clearly were using down in the boiler yeah. room. Uh, and still just wrecks Taker with it. Like there's like a bunch of cardboard and shit inside of it. Um, Taker grabs a pipe, starts like fucking laying into him. Like he's fucking uh, like it's the Battle of the Bastards and he's just wanting to break <laughs> that shield. Yeah. Then there's this little bit where mankind, uh, they're kind of brawling, and mankind uses a steam valve to release it into Taker's face. And that's when I realized, yes. like, Mick and Mark Calloway and probably at least one agent had to go into the boiler room of the Melon Arena <laughs> and decide what what to do. They had to go in and be like, all right, well, what are we, how are we going to use this? 
What's the plan here? Like, and that's just such an awkward and weird thing to imagine. But like, is oh, sorry, it the gun arena? We were in Cleveland. Oh, they're in Cleveland. Ah, oh, shit. So, so that boiler room's even more messy. <laughs> Have you seen the memes of LeBron lying? Have you seen Jalen? Did you see Jalen Ramsey calling him out for lying? I did. But I could just imagine LeBron being like, I told Undertaker he shouldn't walk into that boiler room. Something bad was going to happen. It's like, brother, you were like eight years old. <laughs> I didn't even, he was like 10. So yeah, there's the the steam valve into the into the face of Taker. I, I like that spot a lot. Yeah. It yeah, was a good organically spot. set up. Um, at one point, there was there was like a a, a little like skinny ladder. Um, yes, it's like a bookshelf ladder. Yeah, and like Bell should be sw- sliding across it, talking yeah. shit about the town folk. Exactly. Um, and, and and mankind just starts working his way up it. Uh, Taker grabs that ladder, tips it over with mankind onto it. He falls off and lands right through like a big wooden area full of shit yeah pile of garbage and the best was un- well mankind was climbing up the ladder taker did his sit-up to get up also randomly throughout this match there's some legitimate technical difficulties which i thought were on the daily motion link it's from the SummerSlam feed yeah because you could hear vince at one point say yeah we'll get it right back just some which i can imagine vince is just having to hold in how fucking pissed off he is that he's losing the feed because i can imagine vince is actually legitimately pissed off uh, oh, they're well, brawling yeah. near the exit. Mankind hits him with a chain. Uh, Taker uses the fire extinguisher. And then they get through the door. And there's this weird, like, Benny Hill, Three Stooges comedy spot where Mankind is through the door first and hits Taker with it. Then he gets through a second door and just stacks a bunch of shit in front of it, being like, that'll stop this undead wizard. That'll the job in the locker room are just like rooting or like basically screaming at him like you see you see, you see the job i'm pretty sure i saw bob holly there so then you see because the, the it taker obviously gets through this barricade that is poorly yeah, he muscles his way through it and then you see a bunch of wrestlers in the hallway as they are like fighting towards the ring wrestlers i could see clearly mark henry hard to miss gold dust very hard to miss Austin, who just pokes his head out to be yeah, like, what the fuck is going on? And then you see Austin stick out, and I'm like, oh, so yeah, no, no not just jobbers. Not no. just jobbers. Bob Backlund's there. Uh, Mankind also uses a bar cart on Undertaker's face, and then uses, my, this is my favorite spot, I think, in the whole match. Uh, Mankind uses a big thing of hot coffee, like the big travel jugs of coffee, yeah. and just pours it on Undertaker. Like, hey, has anyone tested if this man can burn? Let's 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 just let's burn him with coffee. Uh, right after that, they go out to the arena. Taker finds a two by four somehow and absolutely blasts mankind with yep. it. Just destroys him. Um, right up against the ring, there's just like a TV on a stand, like one of those well, old ass boxes. They TVs said there were stand. so there were four TVs around, and that's what the people at ringside were using to watch the action. Oh my god! Because they didn't was, put it up on the monitor. Well, that's the thing is they didn't have like Titantron, I don't think. So the everything else was on the Jumbotron in the Gund Arena. But if you're oh, at ringside, wow. you probably can't look up like that. So they put it around on these like fat back, thirty inch TV. Imagine you like, pay money to SummerSlam, and they're like, watch, this, watch this tiny. And PS they're like, e this screen. is like movie day in fucking first grade. Bill Nye is here. 
and he's here to teach you about boiler rooms. Jesus Christ. Um, um, Mankind's on the apron first. Taker grabs him by the foot, meets him on the apron. Taker does like the bounce the ropes a bit, and Mankind falls to the concrete. Takes a flat back bump off the apron onto the concrete. We are going to see some of the worst bumps a human being can take in this episode. And you, that's and one thing, of we, them. We didn't talk about it, but obviously that match is coming. Just so you know, that match is coming. And that is all we were going to say for now. Yep, we'll save the rest. Uh, Taker is in the ring. Paul Bear is in the ring. Taker gets to one knee to do the pose. And he Tebows, and he waits for Paul Bear to give him the fucking urn. Uh, but does Paul Bear give him the urn, Javier? Nope. He turns his back suddenly and starts laughing. Mankind comes from behind, throws on the mandible claw, puts Taker out. Um, goes it goes to turn, walks up to Paul Bear. Taker does his sit-up. Um, Mankind has it scouted, immediately puts the claw back on again. Um, Paul Bear comes over, slaps the Undertaker a couple times, stomps on him a little bit, and he hands the urn over to Mankind. Paul Bear has switched from emo kid to like alt-metal kid. In his allegiance, he's like, no, I'm done with you, emo. I'm done with you, my chemical romance. I'm a fallout boy now. Oh, yes, fallout boy. This is a weird ending to the match. It should have ended in the boiler room, though I did like the hot coffee spot. It's a weird time. (laughs) You would like a cappuccino. All right. Um. Next is our promo, and the promo isn't really a promo. It's the last of a series of interviews. Mankind did interviews with Jim Ross as a way to kind of delve into and explain the Mankind character. I encourage everybody to, if they've never seen these, watch the whole series. We're just looking at the last one, which is episode four. Um, they, It's weird because we so associate Vince McMahon's wrestling and WWF with not acknowledging the existence of other companies. They strictly just did not exist. WWF was its own universe. Nothing else matters. In this series, it talks about Mick Foley. It talks about Cactus Jack. It has clips from ECW. It has clips from death matches. Like, it's really weird and kind of jarring to see. It's it's mostly interesting to me because this was a guy that Vince had to be convinced to bring in. Yeah. Like, this isn't someone he was already super high on. He had to go out of his way. Like, I want this guy super badly. We're going to go. We're going to make him a big star. Like, he had to be convinced by, like, Jim Ross had to beg him to bring this guy in. And then in these interviews, Vince gets name dropped, which I find fascinating. So they talk about why wasn't he brought in as Cactus Jack. And Mankind says, every time he hits the mandible claw, he pictures Vince McMahon and asks, why didn't they take him when he was good? Why didn't you take me when I was pretty? And that like, so they're kind of positioning the mankind character as like a break of psyche of like, he never yeah. was made it. So he switched to this. Um, he says he doesn't wish uh, Mick Foley. He, he starts talking to the third person a little bit, um, a lifetime of misery um, and wishes him and a lot of other wrestlers. Um, or sorry, he wishes Foley a lifetime of misery and he wishes uh Foley and a lot of wrestlers uh a lot of trauma in their personal and professional lives and nothing but personal trauma and tragedy in their professional and personal lives it says he wants to cause it 
Yeah. And JR asks him specifically, like, why do you have venom towards Shawn Michaels? Because he had a little feud with Michaels. Yeah. And it's because, he says, they had the same boyhood dream, and Michaels gets to look how he does, and Foley has to look how he does. And we've talked about this. Nick Foley's, like, a good-looking guy. But they just leaned into the, like, you're kind of fucking weird, so, like, let's just... Just a bigger dude. He's, he's yeah. unorthodox. It's a weird guy, so... Sean's sure, handsome. Man. Sean gets to be in play in Playgirl. Foley, man. tough luck. Um, he says he says he doesn't believe in doctors and, and yeah, does believe which, in the body's ability to heal. You better believe in the in the body's ability to heal, Mick. Goddamn. Well, obviously, that's clearly not an opinion that Mick no. Foley has. <laughs> he very much believes in doctors. Jr. asks if. Foley thinks that he has brought on all these problems himself, and that's when mankind snaps. Yeah, he says it's time for JR to start doing his damn job and end this facade of journalism integrity. Uh, says that he's a powerful man, or JR is a powerful man. Uh, it doesn't spread the truth. Um, he asks, like, what is it? He, he, JR asks him, what is it about pain that he loves? Um, and he says he feels pain just like every other person. And punches himself in the face immediately. Yeah. Um, he asks, does the fun start when he can't get up and play ball with his little boy? Or when the doctor sticks a 12-inch needle in his spine? Ugh. Then, you know, continuing to be mad at JR, he smacks the cowboy hat off of him, locks in the mandible claw, squeals like a pig. You know, all the classics. Yeah. And my favorite part of the whole thing is as he gets up from JR, JR's being looked at, he just very, like, Matter of fact, he's like, he's going to need some help. And he sounds so sincere. He's like, he's going to need some help. And that's the weird, like, levels of the mankind character. Of, like, does he actually like pain? Does he actually like what he does? Or is he, yeah. does he just not know how to do anything else? You know what I mean? Like, it's a really interesting and fascinating watch, especially when you see mankind now as, like, cheap pop king, everyone's favorite Santa grandpa. Yeah, Foley. I mean, you, you, you take this. I mean, these interviews with JR are... are very easily the best like promo segments, whatever outside of the ring segments that he's ever done uh, in his career, regardless of character. The only other thing that I think is like his crowning achievement, and it's not just him though, is this is your life rock, but that's yeah, also and, the rock. That's his second best. Yeah. Um, and just think of the, like it, those two things could not be more different. No, they're so weird. That's it a, is so a, range wildly different from each other it, it, it like i it can't even be described how different they are from each other and those are very easily his two best promo segments yeah. this is the four interviews with jr and then this is your life what <laughs> like, a weird combo we're gonna take a break when we get back we're looking at mankind being cheered in the king of the ring finals getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at blue nile can help your love sparkle just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, 
It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back from the break, and it is the finals of the 1997 King of the Ring. It is Mankind versus Triple H. A common theme is Foley facing off against Triple H. We saw that last week with Cactus Jack matches, obviously. In terms of WWE, is Triple H his greatest rival? No. Um, I think that his greatest rival is The Rock. But I think that the greatest story, like story rival that he has is Taker. Okay. Um, Just because uh, for mankind specifically. Yeah. I, I, I do think that Taker is... I think Rock is his best rival. I think Taker's is the is the the most compelling rivalry for the mankind character specifically. I think for Mick Foley himself, it's Triple H because I think I think that's Triple what H is. forced him to get multiple like things out of. Uh, I like think it, that's it was, what it is. It was, is there's so many variations in the Triple H Mick Foley feud because yeah. we've had Foley being the face, we've had Triple H being the kind of the face. We've had different eras of both men facing off against each other all of the time. Like this is, this is still like blue blood Triple H. Like this isn't even DX it was mankind. H. It was it was both phases of mankind. It was uh, it was Mick Foley the man. It was obviously Cactus Jack at the Rumble. It, like he he brought like, he brought multiple different uh, phases out of Mick Foley the man. Yeah. The wrestler. And then Mick Foley legitimately brings out different like levels of Triple H. Yes. Like I think you're right though. I, I would probably put Triple H as my personal like th- probably second. I still th- I think I like the feuds that he has and the, the, how much there is first instead of Taker. I think Rock is first. I think you're right there. Where would Foley fit for Triple H? Where does he oh, fit for him? Well, the thing with Triple H is who's Triple H's greatest rival? Is it, it's not Sean. No. But even though I think that is his best feud, I don't think it's his best rival. Is it? Is it Orton? Is it Batista? That's a, that's a great question. I, th- I feel like we had this Brian? debate during the Triple H episode. We should probably go back and revisit that. All right. Let's talk about this match. Uh, it is the finals. So, of course, we need to figure out how did we get to the finals. Triple H beat Crush and Ahmed Johnson. Those were his two defeats. Mankind beat Savio Vega and Jerry Lawler. Uh, Mankind is turned face, essentially, by this point. And we kind of talked about it. The reason that it works as a face is the guy behind it. Like, we just yeah. want to cheer for Mick. And those, He's a likable dude. Those interviews weirdly made him more likable. Because you see his story. Like, he's just a guy who wants to be a wrestler. He is a man who is pushed, to his, who is pushed beyond his breaking point. Yeah. Um... In terms of the actual match, Mankind in control early. Tosses Triple H into the turnbuckle, wants a mandible claw. Triple H rolls to the outside. And early on, commentary. I don't know if you heard commentary, but Jim Ross and Vince McMahon on the call. Yeah. JR asks Vince if Helmsley has ever tried to buy the WWF. Yeah. Oh, how times have changed. Oh, he man. He doesn't have to. He's going to marry into it. He is going to be gifted it. That's right. Because Vince McMahon's a terrible guy. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, at a certain point here, Mankind does the, the punches in the corner where he's standing over Triple H. Yeah. Um, it, it, Triple H does inevitably get out of it. He gets the advantage back by hitting a uh, spinning neck breaker. 
Um, Triple H yeah. just distracts the ref. China, who who is with uh, the Connecticut Blue Blood at this point, absolutely decks mankind. And like this is pretty fresh that China's with Triple H. Yeah, this is like within the last couple months. And it, which is it, it's great timing because we all know that Triple H was supposed to get the King of the Ring win the year before. Obviously, yep. the curtain call happened. Stone Cold happens. That's a much like that changes the trajectory of wrestling history. But also the fact that Triple H will win because spoilers, he wins the King of the Ring. The fact that he will win King of the Ring with China at his side is a much better setup for him than doing it alone. Yeah, um, and it also that character works with a heavy, and it, it, it China is just the perfect person to be that heavy because she is a, a woman who is believable that she could yeah. you know run interference and actually beat on the men but she's also a woman so you can't really put your hands on her she doesn't really end up getting her comeuppance in that role plus she's mamacita <laughs> which is eventually which is awesome. yes <laughs> eventually she will become mamacita which is very important it's very important to see very very mamacita. important uh, also, during that little stretch, especially when Triple H was working on the neck uh, with the neck breaker, he does some like knee drops on the neck as well. Yep. Jr. says that, oh, yes, this Hunter Hearst Helmsley has some cerebral abilities. And I was like, are you all predicting the goddamn future on commentary? Are you guys just going to call, eventually call him the cerebral assassin, you sons yeah. of bitches? They're actually going to call him like the COO. And it's like, well, how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> like, Good for you. Good call. They were like... They were like, yeah, so he he booked Austin Theory to, to fail his cash-in on the goddamn U.S. title. Unbelievable. <laughs> and they're like, who are what are any of these things? Uh, He's Triple not even H born yet. <laughs> Triple H comes to Mankind from behind after the China interference, and Mankind low blows him when the ref still can't see. Just a he- heady veteran move by Mankind. Heady veteran move. How, many, how much older is Mankind than Triple H? That is a great like, question. I'm going to look that, that up. Is, they're you, probably only separated in age by like a couple years, if anything. You, um, uh, you you keep talking the match. I'll look that up. Yeah, so Mankind does a stun gun. He he does his running knee. Um, Triple H gets caught in a tree of well position doing the, the whole flare flip over the ropes thing. Yeah. Mankind, Mankind runs himself right into him. Um, at, at one point, he gets him to the outside. Mankind does the, the elbow drop. Off the apron. Yeah, Triple X is back body drop onto concrete. And then we get the cactus elbow, which is really cool. Uh, for reference, Triple H is a solid four years younger than Mick. Yeah, I mean, come on, Hardy veteran. It's, it's, a, it's, uh, like my man was a senior in high school when, when, uh, Triple H was a freshman, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? Though, I will say that Mick has nine years more wrestling experience than, than Hunter. Yeah, that's because Hunter wanted to be a bodybuilder. Dude's trying to build bodies. He's Dr. Frankenstein. Jesus Christ. Uh, Mankind is double underhook DDT. China distracts, distracts the ref to get a delay on the pin. Triple H kicks out. Triple H goes for the pedigree. Man guy, Mankind's able to flip out of it. Uh, turns that into the mandible claw. Uh, they get a little too close to the ropes, and China ends up pulling Mankind out of the ring by his hair. More pulling of the hair. This is the first real time we see the mandible claw. Like uh, aside from the interview with Jr., like this is the, the we, we kind of saw in the in the fo- in the Taker match, it's not in the boiler room match. Yeah, we end. we did see it. What are your thoughts on the mandible claws finish? Absolutely disgusting. Um, abs- abs- absolutely disgusting. 
I don't like it when Britt Baker does it. I know it works for her because she's a dentist. Yep. <laughs> but I hate it. It's so fucking gross. You are literally wrestling for 20 minutes and then you just slap on with the hand that you've been using, which is full of sweat and germs. Because guess what? People have also been wrestling in that damn ring and your hands have been all over that motherfucker. Let me yep. just stick it right in the person's mouth. And look, man. I hate. I I just have to call a spade a spade. Does Mick Foley look like the most cleanly of human beings to you? No, he looks like a I dry my hands on my pants guy. And exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like he doesn't mean any harm by it, but you know he doesn't like those those automatic blow like the dryer. Just things. save some time. Why? Why yeah, am I exactly, going to waste some paper? Exactly. You know, and all this I, other shit. I think the Mandible Claw is an, a fucking amazing finish. I think it's only meant for the weirdest of characters. Like, when the Fiend started doing it, I, I was like, this is the greatest decision I've ever seen. I think it's a great visual. Yeah. I will say, because it makes fucking sense. Like, if you actually do do that, guess what? That shit is uncomfortable. Oh, I know. I, I had a friend do it to me growing up because we were like doing the wrestling finishes. He's like, oh, Mandible Claw. And before I could say anything, he's just like, hurts like people do it to yourself put some pressure on that fucking sucks man no we're gonna make somebody discover a new kink <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> all hey, right hey hey this we do not kink shame on this podcast Evan. <laughs> we don't uh draping neckbreaker on the rope by triple h goes up to the top mankind meets with another mandible claw thumb to the eye by triple h to escape uh we get an inverted atomic drop by mankind and then the the clothesline mankind loses his mask at one point it very quickly gets back up it's like when a mascot loses his head like he's really like, oh fuck it's <laughs> scramble it's it's impressive how quickly he got that back on because i feel really like that's good. a difficult mask to get yeah, on not the easiest to just slip back on uh we hit the cactus jack clothesline to central place to the outside mankind does that we talked about last week with uh, in the ecw match he does that like diving reverse elbow where he just kind of lets himself go off the back yeah. off the ropes and again misses and lands head first onto the barricade it's not fun triple h drags him over to the announce table gets him up on it hits a pedigree on the announce table which doesn't break but it does buckle it buckles it does but i i think i think on the buckle when it hits the ground it does snap a little bit because you can yeah. see there's a little bit of a bend to the table um back in the ring China hits mankind with the scepter right in the back. And it, that thing fucking shatters. It shattered like a motherfucker. I thought it was a pipe at, a, at first. And then they said it was a scepter. You know, those like light tubes that you use in like backyard wrestling. Yeah. Like the, yeah. I thought it was one of those. At first. I was like, <laughs> what is going on? I thought it was an actual pipe. Like, you know, those like fucking pipes you could use in like left for dead or some shit like that oh like, yeah dead yeah, island yeah. had a had a pipe actually that was perfect i thought it was one of those also the fact that you just said left for dead i love that game if uh, i could get a remaster yeah. of left for dead i'd lose my mind yeah don't get me wrong i like back for blood i think back for blood is pretty fun it just doesn't have the same aura god left for dead was elite uh so yeah there's the shattering of the scepter triple h running knees mankind off the apron and mankind lands on a cameraman i swear to god he killed the production person yeah that's swear poor, to god that poor intern he's dead that now. dude just his ankle's gone his leg is snapped triple h puts it back in the ring tries the one hand cocky pin mankind kicks out we get a pedigree three count triple h is king of the ring a really good match like this is a really fun match yeah this was 
honestly, I saw the Connecticut Blue Blood Triple H. I saw Mankind. I was like, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Maybe maybe it's not really, you know, I, I feel like you, Evan, chose this for, for more for story purposes than actual match quality. But no, yeah. damn good match. It's, it's an underrated match. It's, I think, one of the more forgotten Triple H Mankind matches because the other part of their feud that happens is that Mick Foley brings back Cactus Jack in 1997, not just in 2000. Like he did it once before with Triple H. But in terms of the match, it's also the first time we see Mankind as a baby face, really. And so I yeah. thought that was interesting. Now, time to go a year later to watch a man die. This is a match that I knew at some point, because we did The Undertaker as our first ever three-parter back in episodes 9, 10, and 11. Yep. And we knew that we couldn't put this match on despite it probably being Undertaker's most infamous match. It's this and the Brock Lesnar match. We had to save it for Mick Foley, and now it's episode 140, and we're going to look at King of the Ring 1998, the third ever Hell in a Cell match, Mankind versus Undertaker. This is, this is nuts. It is. We all know what it is. Yeah, we all know what happens. Everyone has seen this multiple times. Like, the thing with this match, though, is every single time I go into it, I'm thinking, oh, this is like 10, 12 minutes. It's two spots. We think it's two spots. Yeah, and, and we think it's like a, it's a two spots, and then it's a quick finish because we know Taker jumps down. No, they go on for another, like, five, ten minutes after that. So Undertaker attacked Paul Bearer in his house. So remember when Paul Bearer turned on The Undertaker a solid, like, what two was years that? Ago. Two years ago. Yeah, Undertaker doesn't forget people. So he attacks Paul Bear in his house. And the weird thing is when you look at the clip. Isn't it because of Kane, though? Yeah, I guess so. But it's because of Kane, too. But like he's still mad about everything. And Kane and Mankind are both, I guess, associated with Paul Bear still. Anywho, Mankind's cutting a promo when you first open the clip. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is the video package. They're taking a Mankind promo and like putting it over these clips. Mankind is cutting that promo live. Yeah. He is in the ring, ready for the match, cutting a fantastic promo. It's a good thing, man. <laughs> it's really good. I, to the point where I was like, wow, like the editing is tremendous. I was like, wow, what an excellent, like, the, I'm like, wow, it's weird they'd have the Hell in a Cell set up the week before to have him cut this promo. Cause that's what I thought. You know, when they do shit like, Remember the Money in the Bank setup where they had all the guys on the ladders? Like Jericho and it was, there like It's a, one of the best segments of the last It's one of the best segments. Jericho's sitting there like a fucking future mass Singer player like he actually is. You know what I mean? Like Cesaro was just standing there in a suit, just looking yeah, great. His tearaway suit. So instead, Mankind's in the ring. Mankind gets a chair and tosses it on top of the cell and climbs the cell. Yep. Taker being down for anything meets mankind on the cell after his entrance and shit begins to hit the fan. <laughs> That's the best one. It just, just things happen. Mankind hits a chair shot. He hits another chair shot. At one point they start walking. They get to the middle of the cage and the cage floor significant, like significantly dense. They almost just walk to their death. Like, because that's the thing is, as much as you can't prepare, like you cannot know how to fall from this height. If you know the bump is coming, you can turn your body in a way to make the bump happen in the right spot. They almost just fell through the cell 
like the roof. They almost just fell through it. What? And who knows where they land? Do they land at ringside? Do they land in the ring? Like, how do they land? Do they land they might, on, they ref, land on the corner? T- Look at where they were. Yeah, they might land on Tim White. Like, yeah. who the fuck knows? So glad that that never happened. But they make it to the other side. And uh, as they almost fall through. Take your fights off mankind. And then I think this is underrated about the spot. It happens so quickly. You, it happens just so abruptly, man. It's they're they're brawling. Taker hits a couple shots. Mankind staggers, and without it doesn't look like Taker even thinks twice. He's like, I'm "Gonna toss this motherfucker off the cell," and just throws Mankind. We've all seen it. It's such, it's a crazy moment. It might Dude. be the most insane wrestling thing I've ever seen. You know what my favorite thing about it? I love how it's filmed. Oh yeah, it's just it's just a zoom in of them on top. You see yep. the the little the fight back. You see the stagger from Foley. Taker stumbles with a step a little bit, and then just fucking just it's like he has an intrusive thought. Just yeah, he he this dude. <laughs> he, he acted on his intrusive thoughts. He's like, what if I just toss McFoley from the cell? And he does. And thank God he tossed him towards. An announce table instead of, I don't know, the timekeepers or the paying customers. Like, thank God didn't do that. But he yeah. goes right through the Spanish announce table. He fucking kills Hugo Savinovich. Like, <laughs> Spanish announce team is just, go- like, you can see them. Obviously, the, the tension's on mankind, dead on the ground. <laughs> Savinovich is just in his chair like your fucking uncle after Thanksgiving. And he's just, <laughs> like, out. With his pants open, like it's nuts. Everyone assumes the match is over, and it isn't. It hasn't even started, but everyone assumes the match is over. Cause look at mankind. Yeah, <laughs> it's not over. We got also we got to talk about the call. Jr. says, "By God, is my witness, he's broken in half." Top five call. Top five yeah. call. Yeah, and underrated. Jerry Lawler says nothing. Like the work in the on commentary. This is JR's magnum opus, I feel like. This and any Austin main event at WrestleMania. The, like yes. any of the three. These those are his his three biggest or his his best moments, I think. Yeah. Um I would say this, uh WrestleMania seventeen, the the he made a deal with the devil. Yep. Um and I would say maybe Taker, uh Michaels, the first one. Oh yeah, that's that's really good too. I just don't think of it because it's like later. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's just it's it's inc- it's insane. It, so it, like, the Spanish announce team is just... down. Terry Funk is out to help check on mankind. <laughs> the cage is being like the cell is being raised with Taker just standing on top, which is one of the most hardcore looking visuals I've I, ever seen. I never noticed that. Really, I have never noticed that they lifted the cage while Taker was still on top. Because they the need cage. they need to be able to get the gurney to yeah to mankind, and they couldn't I get never, it. With I never it. noticed that. Yeah. I legitimately never noticed that. I, I it fucking blew my mind. The cage is raised. Vince is out to check on Mick. Like, which that's the thing. Like, you know how you, you, when they throw up the X, you're like, oh, something bad happened. This isn't even the X. Vince McMahon is here. Like, yeah. not even storyline, just to make sure mankind's alive. Brother got out of gorilla. That's how you know yeah. it's real. So they have mankind on the gurney. He's on his way up the ramp. They start to lower the, the cell again. Undertaker starts going down the cell on the uh, announce table side. Mick gets off the gurney. 
and you think, you know, all right, maybe he's just doing a little fight move. They're going to be able to corral him. He's having a little burst of energy. They're going to be able to corral him, get him back on the gurdy, get him out of here. No, Mick Foley makes a fucking beeline for the cage and starts climbing that sucker. Taker, seeing him climbing the other side, was like, well, I got to meet him. You know, I, I got a reputation to uphold. Climbs up the other side as well. What happens when they get up on the top there, Javier? Taker has a chair. <laughs> drops the chair. Leaves yep. it right on the fucking cell. Grabs full, <laughs> grabs mankind, and then choke slams him off. And, you, okay. Through a panel of the ceiling into the floor, <laughs> or into the ring. And the worst part is, so I know that that chair that Taker dropped ends up landing on Foley's face and breaks his jaw. I know that. This is the first time I saw it, though. I saw the chair hit him in in the face. And oh, my God. You don't really see it on the initial impact, but they show the very first replay they show is the, the angle from in the ring, I think. Yeah. And you can see it snap up and hit him in the face. For those counting at home, here's the list of injuries I found online. For McFoley in this match, a concussion, a dislocated jaw, a dislocated shoulder, bruised ribs, internal bleeding, puncture wounds, obviously from a spot we're going to get to, and several teeth knocked out. <laughs> so Taker drops down into the into the ring to be like, "Hey guys, what's going on?" <laughs> Taker has a fucked up foot. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. He came into this match with a messed up foot, which so if you're wondering why. The match went down the way it did. Why Taker isn't moving very much. Why he just, you know, tosses Foley. Why all he's doing is really just climbing up and down and hitting his power spots and punches. It's because he already has a severely fucked up foot. I don't know if it's a tendon issue, if it's a broken foot, what the deal is, but his foot's messed up. So here's the thing. This is where you think, oh, the match is done. You know, Taker pins Mankind. The match is done. No. uh, I'm pretty sure impromptu because they needed more time to... 10 to mankind. Terry Funk just steps to Taker. Funk gets choke slammed by the dead man. Uh, then Taker picks up mankind. He's like, well, the match is still going because mankind's stirring. Tries to hit an old school, but Foley knocks him off the top rope. Then we get that beautiful shot of Foley smiling in the corner, blood all over his face, and a tooth yeah. in his nose. Yeah. It's a shame that someone's magnum opus is them getting their absolute shit run. But this is the greatest moments of mankind's career. This is the greatest is, McFoley ever is. You know, I I feel like this is a question that a lot of people ask. Um, in and I think it should be taken serious. Is this one of the greatest matches ever? This is the greatest spectacle in wrestling I think I've ever seen. I I think it's the greatest spectacle in wrestling. Period. In thir- in terms of. What the fuck did I just see? This is this is that moment. This is the this, thing. From beginning to end is just my jaw is on the floor. I, I, I like I fucking I love wrestling. I wouldn't be yeah. doing this podcast with you if I did love wrestling. And this I think is the one match more than any in any promotion across any time period where from beginning to end I cannot take my eyes off of the screen. Did you watch this on normal speed? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Uh, Taker runs some steel steps into the already dislocated shoulder of mankind. 
Take your tries for a suicide dive. Even wrestling with that Go busted foot. a suicide dive with a broken foot, probably. Mankind ducks, and so Taker goes head first in the cage. Mankind sends Taker in the cage. He rubs his face in it. Mankind hits a pile driver onto a steel chair. Taker is busted open, I think, legitimately. It's probably not on the pile driver. It's probably no. on the next spot. Yeah. But he, but his, it is bloody. Um, Mankind gets out the hardcore sprinkles. Because you know what this match needs? Thumbtacks. Speaking of that next spot, because it wasn't mentioned, Taker or uh, Mankind does a leg drop with the chair on Taker's right, face. Right, yes. That's probably where the, the, the busted open part happened. I think he might have been like cut, like small, and then that, I think, probably busted it open. Yeah. Thumbtacks on the ground. Mankind wants to just punch Taker onto it. Taker almost gets a tombstone. It gets reversed into Mandible Claw. Mankind was on Taker's back during the Mandible Claw. And Taker just drops him down directly onto the tax. This is, I think, the worst way I've ever seen anyone take the thumbtacks. Is it because it go? He goes flat back onto all the tax and then rolls through them. No, it's because he's being forced flat back straight onto thumbtacks by a That's man true. who weighs three hundred pounds. Man also does roll through them, which is a choice. Well, it's because he has nowhere else to go. Where the fuck is he gonna go? Choke slam onto the tax. Tombstone mercifully not onto tax because that's the top of his head. Three count. The greatest spectacle in wrestling history is over. Obviously, this is what I want everyone to go watch because there's no... Here's the thing. You watch this match and knowing that Mankind becomes one of the biggest baby faces of all time, knowing that is so obvious watching this match. The fans were already behind him. You see this man do this for your entertainment. You see that he never gives up. Like, this is hustle, loyalty, and respect, my friend. Like, he does all this shit. He lives it. Yeah. Obviously, he's going to be super over. He doesn't get to this stage where he got to with that Mankind character and then, you know, that that inevitable run in the early 2000s or the the early year 2000 uh, without this match. It's it's completely... Fucking insane that to say that. Like this man literally risked his life. He 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 absolutely ru- like this to this sing- individual match that we just spent twenty minutes watching and, and like ten minutes talking about legitimately took years off of Mick Foley the man's life. It's true, and because of that, he became one of the most popular wrestlers in the history. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. And we're going to look at that popularity when we get back because Mankind is winning the WWF Championship. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Back from the break, it is the first Raw of 1999, January 4th. It is The Rock, the corporate champion, versus Mankind, WWE Championship, no DQ match. This is obviously, they had had the, the feud at the end of uh, Deadly Games. Deadly Games! Survivor Series 98. They would go on to have the I Quit match at the Royal Rumble later this, this month. But this is the match that will definitely put some butts in the seats. You know about that whole story, obviously. Oh, yeah. Where, because Raw was being taped ahead of time, uh, there was the ability for WCW to spoil things. So Eric Bischoff attempted to take advantage of the fact that they knew that the, that Mankind was going to win the title victory. And they had Tony Schiavone, who is everyone's favorite, say that a performer that used to wrestle here as Cactus Jack is going to win their world title. And then sarcastically added, that'll put a lot of butts in the seats. Tons of people switched to go see Mankind win because people love yeah. Mick Foley. McFoley's fucking awesome. If you're wondering, the match that they switched away from was Kevin Nash versus Hulk Hogan in the main event. From this point on, WCW never beat WWF in the television ratings again. Mick Foley, that's what Mick can do for you. Mick Foley killed WCW. Anyways. Right. Uh, this is also like weirdly DX versus the corporation. Yeah. Raw January 4th. 1999. DX is here to support mankind. We got the whole shebang. We got New Age Outlaws. We got Triple H. We got, uh, I think, is China out there? Yeah. China's out there. And we got X-Pac. Corporation that's there. Shane, Vince, Ken Shamrock, Test, Big Boss Man, and Kane. Yeah, Kane, although Kane is just kind of standing behind Vince on the ramp like the entire time. Which I love because Vince and Shane keep trying to say things to Kane, and he just... He's fucking. He's Kane. He doesn't talk yet. Yeah. Or he, he's got he, a mask. The, the, he's not even reacting. Voice box. He, he can't sell anything. He's just there. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the actual match. Mankind gets the advantage a little bit at ringside, tosses Rock into the announce table. Rock tosses Mankind over the steel steps. Nobody takes a steel step bump better than Mick Foley. No. No. My man puts his whole. He puts his whole body into it. He, like, absolutely whips himself because he's a. The, the thing that happens is he, like, launches his knee into like his knee and then his like uh whole whole like side of his leg straight into the step so that he's able to like use that momentum to like flip himself forward it is so incredibly dangerous and i do not envy him every morning when he has to get out of bed nowadays no that sounds awful uh we're at ringside still rock smashes him with the steps hits him with a suplex ringside Rock just takes the headset off Michael Cole. God bless the Rock in this era, in his like okay. sh- t- his his sweatsuit wearing era. Yeah, I mean the, the the reason why he's wearing the sweatsuit, which we probably mentioned on the Rock episode, is because he he had a pectoral surgery to yeah. He basically had a breast reduction because his pecs were too damn big. Yeah, because uh, he had yeah he had some sort of genetic thing that made his breasts too big. Yeah. Yeah. but sure, rock, gets on, rock gets on the headset of Cole and starts talking some shit asks man kind of if he wants some water drinks some to try to spit in his face but before he can mankind clocks him and then he grabs the mic and says uh, oh mankind's looking good and he's showing testicular fortitude and then mankind turns into getting walloped with the ring bell I hope yeah. the noise they added in was a sound effect because if it's not he literally had a bell rung. No, I think I think what it is is when you like shook when he shook the bell from the actual like 
movement. I think the the thing just like shot like it made okay because little... it sounded like a cartoon. Because there's no way he uh, he clean cocked Foley with that thing. That thing is heavy. <laughs> Rock bottom through the announce table. Back in the ring, Rock with uh, a right hand. Mankind gets back elbow, but Rock hits an elbow and a scoop slam. It's time for the corporate elbow, brother. I have a commentary note. <laughs> okay, it's interesting. You have a commentary note when you usually hate listening to commentary. Hit me. So there is. They just they're just shit talking Mick Foley and, and like you know King is obviously just calling me an ugly person all this other stuff and at one point says that mankind is a born right fielder oh for, for those who don't know anything about baseball Oof. right field is the most useless position in baseball yeah uh because it, it, it basically like the only time you're ever going to get a ball hits a right field is if a lefty's batting and the majority of people playing baseball are obviously righties so <laughs> It's just funny. It's basically he's just calling him useless. It's just it really popped me for some reason. That's Anyways, tough. corporate elbow, two count, swinging neckbreaker by mankind. Boss man holds the leg of mankind, so Rock gets the belt, hits mankind in the face. Still only two count. I don't know why they needed the ref distraction when it's a no DQ match, which is very important to the finish. Your reasons, uh, but like you mentioned, boss man grabbed the foot. That led to a little bit of a flurry going on ringside between the two yeah. uh, the two factions. Um, Mick grabs uh, Rock, hits a double underhook DDT on the belt for a near fall, and then he whips out the sock. Rock with maybe the most obvious, I'm looking at the referee to see yes. if the count. Yes. You can the way the camera is, Rock is almost looking dead in the camera like he's on the office. Like he's he's doing a stare. He's like, all right, it's he's almost time. Jim. You're right, Mr. Sockos here, which is the man got over a sock. He got over a sock. It's over. I love oh, Mr. Sacco. Uh, Mandible Claw's locked in. Shamrock comes in and hits him with the chair. All hell breaks loose. DX versus the corporation. What happens next? The biggest pop in the history of pro wrestling. Stone cold glass shatter, motherfuckers. And you cannot hear anything else. You could you could barely hear commentary. You can you cannot hear anything that's going on. You can barely hear Austin's music. You can, t- it's weird. You can tell Stone Cold is hyped to do this. And it oh, sounds yeah. weird because normally Stone Cold comes out, he's got like the straight face. He has like a smirk on his face. Like he's, he's got a little of, like swagger to him. He's got the long sleeve on. He's ready to fucking rock and roll. He comes out and it, it gets cut out of the clip because they don't add the headshots anymore. He tattoos the rock with a chair shot. Yeah, absolutely paints that motherfucker. Takes mankind, drops him right on top of him, walks out. One, two, three. Mankind is the WWF champion. Uh, we get a celebration after. Road Dog introduces Mankind as the WWF champion because he's the best talker in DX. And if you listen to Road Dog, he's a better wrestler than Bret Hart. So no, he's a better he's a better uh, sports, sports entertainer. entertainer. Yes, of than, course. Than Bret Hart. Because what a stupid thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> stupid Bro, thing to say. What? I'm a better sports entertainer. What? Bret Hart is still a better promo than you. Like, congrats. You have, like, your whole little charismatic spiel at the beginning of everything. But, like, I can name, like, three Bret Hart promos off the top of my head. I can't name a single road dog one. Mankind gets the mic. He says, hey, Vince, I got to tell you, this feels pretty damn good. And then says, I'd like to dedicate, at the risk of sounding corny, 
I'd like to dedicate this match to my two little people at home and say that Daddy-O did it. How can you not cheer for Mankind? Yeah. Like, the, it's such an organic thing, and it's true. Like, so many things in wrestling, it's just you just have to have the right set of circumstances. Like, you have Mick's whole career. You made it known in those Mankind yeah. promos, in those interviews. You made that, you know, canon, essentially. You let Mankind and Mick Foley, who is a genuinely likable guy, do things, and then he sacrifices his body for the entertainment of the people. Of course, they're going to be hyped when he wins the title. He would lose the title at like three weeks later. Yeah. The Royal Rumble to The Rock in the I Quit match. We covered Gordon that Walken. match on The Rock episode. Go We watch sure it. did. It's the only reason it's not in this one. Because it's also one of the only times that Mick Foley was legitimately mad after a match. Yeah. Because The Rock took advantage with some of those shots. He really did. It was more so, it, it wasn't even the fact that he did that it's more so the the amounts of of shots with the chair that he hit and, and it's because uh foley had his kids there he was yeah. not he was none too pleased dewey and noel were there that. seeing that that's not good uh yeah. let's look at our last match which is an i think for like forgotten spot for mick a forgotten yep. spot for mankind it is the SummerSlam 1999 main event. It is a triple threat match. Stone Cold is the world champion against Mankind and Triple H. Mankind is in there for one reason. Do you know why that reason is? Yes, because Jesse the Body Ventura, who is the governor of Minnesota, where this pay-per-view takes place, is yes. the special guest referee of this match, and he did not want to raise the hand of a heel. And so we needed to figure out something in the middle, and that's where Mankind yes. shows up. Because Austin had to dip. His neck was in, sh- in shambles. He's physically, he was too deteriorated. I'm honestly and it sounds weird because of, of course you'd want Triple H to end up with the title. Triple H was the hot thing. Like, you'd expect that to happen at SummerSlam, but instead it happens the next night at Raw. So Mankind's going to win this match, but let's get into the actual match, which is some fun action, is how I'll describe it. It's weird because I would say of... You know, I, I'd want you to watch all of these matches because I think every single individual match was excellent. But I would say as far as the work itself, this is the best match of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably the best worked match. It's this or the Mankind Triple H match. Yeah, and yeah. the crazy thing about it is those are probably the two I would least recommend to you to watch this week. <laughs> Obviously, it's the Hell in a Cell match, and everyone should experience that Boiler Room brawl. We did not do it justice. It's fucking yeah. weird. And then go watch Mick Foley win the World Championship. That is the best pop in the history of pro wrestling. So early on, Austin and Mankind are straight up teaming up on Triple H, as they should. He's the heel. Yeah. He sucks. At one point... um, they, uh, Mankind does a does a whip on the outside right into an Austin clothesline. Yeah, uh, they, they do double team punches. Austin hits a shot to the gut. Mankind hits a running knee shot. Mankind wants a hug from Austin. Then tries a handshake. He's like, "Oh, maybe he's not a hugger." Austin just starts throwing hands. He's like, "Don't touch me!" He's like, "Shut the f- get the fuck out of here." Austin goes for a stunner on Mankind. Mankind pushes him right into Triple H. Gets a mm-hmm. shot in right after that. Let's get some advantage going. Um, everybody's on the outside austin tosses mankind over the steel steps because that man takes a steel step bump like no other yes uh china gets involved weirdly like stalking mankind for a little bit like she's like doing like the the shifty arms and everything it's like oh and then just pushes him into the steel post (laughs) yeah triple h uh austin chases after triple h starts beating his ass around the staging area or sorry whoa whoa i am way behind whoa uh austin 
starts uh starts choking uh Triple H with a cable. Yep, down by the announce table. Ventura is trying to stop mankind from hitting China. He's like, "Hey, all right, this is me being a babyface governor here." Yeah, don't uh, hit her, mankind. Austin's on the apron at one point. Triple H hits him off of it with a chair, and then Austin's just kind of selling the knee for a little while there. Yeah. Uh, the funny shit is Ventura turns and starts asking the crowd if he used the the chair as if DQs are a thing in triple threats matches. But also, like, I like a referee trying to get more information. Like, hey, you guys are witnesses. You saw this, right? Meanwhile, the the fa- the fans are just like that that TikTok I see of like. Matter of fact, I'm blind in my right eye <laughs> and 28 percent blind in my left eye. I can't even see you, sir. <laughs> Mankind puts the man with a claw on, but China pulls him out, uh, crotches him on post, and Jesse sees this, and he ejects yes. he ejects China, which is something he has the right to do in this match. I guess, but it's it's a no DQ match, so like. But the thing is, he's not DQing. He's just saying, "Hey, we're gonna level the playing field a little bit. Get out of here." But here's the thing: what happens if she doesn't leave? That's a great question. I have no answer to that. You can't disqualify Triple H. I got no answer for that. I got no answer. Does he just call security? Like, hey. (laughs) And then a bunch of jobbers show up, and like indie wrestlers from around. Oh, and they, pull, they pull her away. Just Daniel, just Brian Danielson showing up here. No. Uh, uh, this is where I, I had my notes confused. Uh, Tr- Austin chases Triple H uh, up the ramp, starts beating his ass around the staging area, sends him into the cage of the Lions Den. Yep, that was this pay per view match. That's this pay per view. Uh, Triple H runs Austin knees at the ring post though, and shot blocks him, which is oh, that's. On, on on like the other thing is Austin's neck obviously is like the really bad thing. Austin's knees are not good. <laughs> His knees have been shot for years at this point. Uh, Mankind Triple H both trying to stop Austin in the corner. They just decide to do it together. You love when you can come together with a with an enemy over a common cause. You know. Yeah, he tells Triple H he does the little swirl of the twirl of the fingers, which is essentially just telling Triple H to put on the figure four. Um, he hits a leg drop while Triple H does that, then goes for the pin. Uh, which is hilarious. The best part of it is he pins Austin like in front of Triple H. Triple H easily breaks up, and then you can hear him say, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> you can catch Triple H going, "What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, uh, we, get, we get the Austin. cactus clothesline by Mankind. He where they takes them both out. Yep. Uh, Austin pulls Triple H, gets him right on the pole, uh, and then they fight out into the crowd. Uh, Mankind go, joins into the, that little brawl. He goes for a pile driver on Austin on the concrete, but then just ends up eating a back body drop. Which, if you know context, there's no fucking way they're letting Austin take a pile driver onto concrete. There Are is you- nothing. The death, taxes, Jade Cargill keeping her TBS title at full gear, Austin not taking that spot. Those are the certainties. Y- you think they're going to let... Austin take a bump like that in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Also, shout out Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's one of our most popular listener locations in the last little while. Yeah. If we do a live show, Minneapolis, you're in contention. It's you, it's St. Louis, and it's Winnipeg. <laughs> From Winnipeg, you idiot. We're big in the very center of North America. Like, if you just draw a line up the <laughs> middle of North America, people are like, oh, yeah, the coast. We're like, ah, Des Moines. 
You know, we might, who knows? We might just hit up all three cities. We might just That's do right. a diagonal tour. <laughs> it's a world tour, but it's just a straight line. We're just trying to complete bingo through the end column. Gotcha's gotcha in fucking Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> so we get back to the to ringside area. Austin throwing a hand to both guys. Pedigree attempt by Triple H. Austin reverses it. Catapults Triple H into mankind. And then we get our first stunner. And it's the yes. one-arm stunner. Like the... It's not the half-ass stunner, but it's just the not complete stunner. You know what I mean? It's the I'm a little gas brother stunner. Yeah, mankind gets it. Uh, Triple H uses a chair to break up the pin. Ventura, for some reason, tries to stop Triple H, who then cracks mankind in the head with it. What does Ventura do after that headshot? Triple H goes for a pin, and Ventura just turns away, goes off to the corner, stands there, refuses to get the count going because he refuses to acknowledge that pinfall. Which is interesting. And who shows up to be mad at him but entitled son Shane McMahon? Shane comes out, complains. Austin turns him, stuns him, says, hey, Ventura, send him. Austin also flips off everybody. He obviously does the thing where he drops down and flips off Shane. He flips off Ventura. He flips off the city of Minneapolis. (laughs) Austin doesn't give a a fuck for it. This whole time also... Mankind is just down. He's yeah. just been down for a while. And then we get one of my favorite things. All right, hit me. Uh, Ventura throws Shane out of the ring and then goes, that's for your old man, you little bastard. While that's happening, Austin had been taunting Shane on the ropes and trips <laughs> and gets caught in the rope and Triple H has to get him out. <laughs> And it's so awkward because you can only kind of see it on the, and then you you they zoom out and Austin's just awkwardly in the fucking ropes. The funniest thing about that is at one point uh, on it, I, I don't remember if it was one of his podcasts or if it was like a one of those like Austin like live the things broken that he skull has. sessions. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember if it was that or back when he had the podcast, but he broke down that when he got caught up on the ropes. <laughs> he looks like a cat caught in the blinds. I just remember seeing that. And that, that just fucking popped me so bad. Um, I could just imagine him talking about it too. Goddamn son, out there. <laughs> out there. I'm over here talking shit, getting my rub in. You know the deal, brother. And then goddamn motherfucking Triple H has to come through, fucking untug the ropes. I'm out here daily. I'm like a fucking stuck pig. Getting drained. I'm saying, I'm saying Hunter, help me. <laughs> I'm so, saying, Hunter, come on. <laughs> they, they got a double clothesline spot after. Mankind is awake again because uh, there's only so much a headshot with a chair can do to Mick. He'll be fine. At this uh, point, he's got the muscle. It's, just, it's all calloused. <laughs> he looked like the fucking leader. Uh, Mankind's got Socko out. He hits the mandible claw on both men. Uh, but then they break it up. It's very reminiscent of what, what will happen to the hurricane in two years' time. <laughs> Except I'm pretty sure Austin low blowed him, and then Triple H went for a pedigree. Triple H wants a pedigree. Austin clotheslines Triple H instead. Austin does a meeting in the mines, stunned Triple H for a two count because mankind breaks it up. Then we get really into the finish. Yeah, Triple H, it's a pedigree on Austin. Mankind comes through, runs him off, basically just pushes him out. Uh, hits a double underhook DDT on Austin. One, two, three. Mankind gets a clean pinfall on Stone Cold Steve Austin. I did not think that, that this is how that ended. I didn't remember that. I Every time you see a triple threat where you obviously want to protect the star, 
And Triple H was still a star, but Austin was the fucking guy. I was like, oh, so Triple H is going to eat the pin, and then Triple H is going to get the rematch and win. Yeah, sure. No, Austin eats the pin, which then kind of negates his ability to challenge next, where Triple H can say, hey, I never got pinned. That makes sense for the next night. Triple H beats Mankind, wins the WWF title. Really weird. Yeah, and it's very clear that they wanted to at least get one more program in for Austin, eventually, like a couple months down the line, but they didn't know exactly how much longer down the line because after the match there's a little celebration for mick he gets off he 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 goes off with ventura triple h afterwards grabs a chair and absolutely starts ruining austin's knee yeah as a way to write him off yeah as a way to write him off obviously we know triple h wins the title the next night they they do the whole bait and switch with us with austin at survivor series but it's very clear from this beat down like they they probably thought that he would be ready to go by then maybe you know if, if it's just a one-off before he's able to get a longer recovery in before wrestlemania or something like that yeah so i guess that's why this the angle was written but at the same time you know it, it's kind of it's kind of scummy what they did at survivor series with the triple threat and the pain switch because they they also clearly knew yeah. they clearly knew that he they knew it was fucked up yeah they knew they knew it wasn't going to be then. Those are all five of our matches. What did you think diving in to the mankind of it all? Man, it is. It's it's so fun seeing the evolution of Mick Foley and the mankind yeah. character. You know, it, it's it's also cool seeing the metamorphosis physically of the character because yeah, at the beginning you see he's like a bigger guy. He's wearing the brown. The brown does not look good on him. The squeals, the mommy, the whatever. Yeah, all that stuff. And then he transforms completely. You know, he's wearing the the white shredded button up with the basically sweatpants, like really baggy sweat black sweatpants, the mask, the tie, all this shit. It, it looks like a like a deflated regular person, I guess, but like a regular person if you were just on Zoom all day. Uh and it's just it's a complete metamorphosis of, of of the of the physically of that character it's it's really interesting to see it the, the way that i like how we structured this is like you took him from the beginning when you know he's a guy who beats the undertaker when the undertaker like he think about it now like that mankind that version of the mankind character is still the only person to ever get the one up on undertaker and never really get their comeuppance back I mean, that motherfucker got tossed off a hell in a cell and almost died. Okay, but it's that—that that was two years <laughs> later, and it's not I a know, continuation of that story. Forget. <laughs> yeah, listen, man, he forgot. But that was Ministry Undertaker. I, I I get what you mean, but I think you cannot understate the fact that Undertaker tried to kill Mick Foley. <laughs> you know, and we saw that. We see the moment. Like, when was that King of the Ring? Was that July? Uh, King of the Ring is usually June, is it not? Something like that. And then we see like six months later, he's win six, seven months later, he's winning the world championship based on the popularity popularity that he gained that night. Getting tossed off the cell twice, absolutely torn to shreds physically. Uh, like how much time off did he even get after that match? I don't even want to know. Because it was probably is, was like a month. That is a great question. I don't think it was long. <laughs> it was probably like a month. Because you gotta think he was right back on TV soon at like not super far after that. Um, it, it's just, it's so cool because like, I, I don't know. I, I love the mankind character. I think it's one of the best characters in the history of pro wrestling. 
easily one of the best characters in the history of the WWE, WWF. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's all good stuff. Like I mentioned, I mean, the worst, worst case scenario, the, 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 the match I least recommend people watch here is this one, this triple threat, which is still a very, very fucking good match. It's a great triple threat match between three guys who are very, very good at the shit. Um, and you know, like it's not often that we get something like that where like everything that we watch, including the promo is really fucking good. Yeah, it's true. I was just looking at it. And apparently on Wikipedia, Mick says that he that and and according to the person who edited this Wikipedia, it wasn't the King of the Ring aftermath that really had people start cheering for Mick. It was after he was turned on by Kane because they won the t- the tag titles after, and then he was turned on by that. Kane in at SummerSlam '98, and he dropped all the like tortured parts and made mankind more of a comedy character, and that's what got it. I think you cannot undersell though the fact that people yeah. can maybe maybe it's just retrospectively it's the respect faster factor yeah. of it. Yeah, I th- I think that it has to be at least part of it. Man, mankind's a cool gimmick. It's so weird. Yeah. I yeah, I d- can't think of anything else like it where it's like here it, it is at one extreme, here it is at the other, and both work. Both have their their, their like we've seen serious characters get turned comedy. I'm looking at any big guy. The WWE has had, which all think it's a fucking dancing gimmick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But instead, the two gimmicks and the two extremes of mankind work so well. Next week, we're going to be looking at Dude Love and Mick Foley. There's not enough Dude Love to just do a strictly Dude Love episode. Plus, there's a couple times where Mick Foley is Mick Foley. And we're going to have to talk about those. Like, I'm talking TNA. Yeah. I'm not excited for it. I've never seen it. I'm not excited for it. Um, wherever you're listening, be sure to rate and subscribe. If you rate five stars, it helps us out so much. We'd love that five-star Frog Splash review. Plus, we continue to grow. Tell a friend. I'm sure you know somebody who loves wrestling because you're a wrestling fan. We have to find our people, and I'm sure they like McFoley. Tell them to catch up. Tell them to listen to Cactus Jack. Tell them to listen to this episode. Tell us. Tell them to join us next week for Dude Love and McFoley. Follow us on Twitter. If Twitter still exists, fucking follow us there. At Crossbody of Work until it all burns down. Uh, Javier, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm on the Twitter machine at JMLO Sports. And when it all burns down, just follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram account. I'm pretty we sure do. It's the same at Crossbody of Work. I just posted on the Instagram saying that that's, that we're going to be there waiting for our followers. Post a little photo of Virgil, wrestling superstar. <laughs> follow us for more quality content like that. Follow me on Twitter for now at Seven Gomes, I T S E V A N G O M E S. Go to fullpresswrestling.com to find all of the matches that we watch, all the links for everything. You don't need to have a Peacock account for this week. You'll be able to get everything on fullpresswrestling.com, plus all of our matches, all of our episodes are all there. You can go and find everything we've ever done, 140 episodes. They're all up there. Fullpressshop.com. Cop the merch, support the boys, buy some shirts, put them in your stockings for Christmas. Why the fuck not? Wouldn't We're that be a treat? at that time of the year. Make our Christmas, make your Christmas even better. Put some money in the boys' pockets. That's right. Get yourself some merch. Yeah, and we're at that point of the episode. It's everyone's favorite part of the episode. Time for Javier. Any final advice for the people? This week on Life Advice with Javier, it it's getting cold, man. It was just seventy degrees the other day, and now it's fucking thirty. My God. No, I mean, aside from the 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 panic of of the, our world definitely disintegrating uh more recent more, more soon than we expected to um 
I just want everyone out there to, regardless of where you live, to to take care of yourself. You know, to put put that coat on, man, because I promise you that that sickness that's going to come through if you got a bad show is not going to be fun. Get no. put a coat on. Make sure you're layering. Uh, make sure you're warming up your car a little bit more in the mornings. Don't just drive off right away. It's not good for it. Uh, if you if you have if you don't have a space heater, uh, fucking get one. You know they're, they're they they especially if you're someone who you know heating bills get very fucking expensive uh, throughout the winter. And if you get a space heater, you know maybe you can shut off that gas bill a little bit, pump up a little bit on the electricity, especially if you're more comfortable paying that off a little bit more. Especially because it probably doesn't go up as much as the heating bill does around this time of year. Don't do that thing where you turn on your oven and leave the door open just so you could get a little bit of a heat going. <laughs> One, I promise you, does not work. Two, you're just going to fucking up the heating bill as much as, as you possibly can. This space heater, I have, I've had one going this entire time. Cost me like 40 bucks at Target. Go get one. I promise you it's a better investment than leaving your oven on. It is a, it is a worthwhile investment. As somebody living in the, the Arctic of Canada, it's very important to have your space heaters. They help out. You never know when you might, especially if you have heating, and heating's expensive, but especially if you have heating, you never know if it might kick out. Always have one on hand for backups. You never know. Yes, but you always be know. conscious of it. Do not leave it on too long. Yes. Do not leave it in a place that's a dangerous area. Uh, you know, like all things, there's, there's risk to it. They they are, they are not the most uh, trusting of devices, but they are a good short-term fix. Um, also... Especially if when it starts snowing, because that's going to happen soon. Shout out to my people out there in northern New York. You're getting it real yeah. hard right now. Yeah. Uh, when you go outside to clean your cars, fucking wear a beanie. Get a balaclava. Put the fucking mask on your face. Cover your face. Make sure that you are well protected. Get some fucking good gloves. Because guess what? That cold, that snow, it is not good for you. We were not meant as human beings to be in that type of condition. Take care of yourself out there, people. It's getting real yet, cold. There's a, there's a whole ass country up here that's just like, oh, no, for sure. We could do that. It's getting real cold real soon. And we definitely were not like, I, at least me, I, I like the cold and I was not expecting this sharp of a turn this quickly. And it was, it was quite a quick turn where it was like, oh, look, fall's actually lasting a long time. Never mind. Yeah. Surprise. Uh, Winter is fucking coming, and it has come. Uh, and it is time to for you guys to just take care of yourself, especially That's in this right. winter out here. Keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> Keep pushing through. Get some hot cocoa going. But more than anything, get some hand warmers. Stay warm. We're back next week to talk about Dude Love and Mick Foley and to announce some people that we're going to cover in the next little bit. If you have people you want to cover, hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram. At Crossbody of Work. In the words of mankind, have a nice day. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.